Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. This is Mallory Ortberg. I am Dear Prudence. And today in the studio, we have a friend of the podcast, uh, Joss Lavery, with us here. He hello. is a... Sorry, I totally talked over you just now. Please say hello again. Hello. Fantastic. You did great. Thanks. Uh, he's a writer and academic living in the Bay Area. And he and I uh, are going to dispense some advice together today. We're going to try. And I hope that we get to do a real goofus and gallants. Was I explaining goofus and gallant to you the you other were, day? You were, because I thought the word was doofus. Yeah. So I, I, I assume most of the listeners are familiar with goofus and gallant. You assume your, most of your listeners are American. I do. This is, this is a, I do assume that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and goofus and gallant was a really popular cartoon series in Highlights Magazine, which was a magazine for children in waiting rooms. I see my producer clapping her hand, so I assume she went to the dentist at least once in, <laughs> once in her youth or adolescence. And it would always be like, when Gallant goes to his friends' houses, he always compliments their mother's cooking. And then there's a picture of him being like, that lasagna was fantastic, Marion. Um, and then it'll be uh, like Goofus accidentally kills his friend's pet turtles when he's there. <laughs> and it just shows him like kicking animals and being like, oh, I'm unhappy. So the Goofus um, road is is the wrong road. So which one am I? Um, I, I think I referred to something as being... The goofus choice. Okay. And, okay. and you didn't quite understand yeah. which way that was going. Would you like to be gallant today? Would you like to be goofus? I do like lasagna. 
Well, then I think it's settled. Um, fantastic. You will give good advice and I will give bad advice. Okay. And together we will edify, edify children in waiting rooms. Um, I also wanted to start, because I feel like you and I have discussed this a handful of times, there was a, a question I got today in the column that made me realize people will often write to me about relationships, usually romantic relationships, mm-hmm. but also relationships with family members in these really transactional terms in a way that yeah. I think has gotten really popular. Like, at what point do I, like, cut someone off because I've put up with too much? Or, you know, have I have I sunk too much time and emotional energy into someone? It's very, like, um, relationships as investments. Mm-hmm. Are you getting your money's worth? Um, this very black and white idea of people are either worth your time and attention or they aren't, and you have to decide, like, am I going to pull my funds out of this particular index and into another one? Yeah. What's and, your portfolio looking like? Yeah. What are and your I'm options? wondering, like, where is that coming from exactly? Why does it bother me so much? The question today was very much this woman had been seeing somebody. Um, he was in his early 40s. She's in her mid-50s. They mm-hmm. have this wonderful connection. They've been dating for about a year. Um, he sort of made it clear that he does want to to marry someone and start a family and presumably doesn't see that happening with her, yeah. whether it's because of her age or her own desires. I wasn't quite sure which, but it seemed mm-hmm. pretty clear that's his his goal um, and that she is sort of wondering that makes her very sad. She doesn't want to give up their connection, but she also doesn't want to just date indefinitely, kind of knowing he's looking for something else. And it was difficult to even think about how would we talk about this except in terms of investment. Yeah. It's really difficult, too, because we t- people tend to think or sometimes think of other individuals they have relationships with as accounts mm-hmm. into which they've paid a certain amount over the years, mm-hmm. therefore expect a payoff at a certain point, rather than as time shared in the present that now is past and decisions yeah. need to be made moving forward in some way. Yeah, and that somehow I could see a version of this column where I gave her the advice he has been wasting your time yeah. because he doesn't intend to legitimize your relationship by promising you forever, uh, which is not necessarily what I would have thought, but but that's the sort of advice yeah. one often sees. Um, and to protect your own investments, you should withdraw all of your accounts, cut him off, experience a sense of loss, and move on, mm-hmm. um, which actually ultimately was not too dissimilar from the advice I gave her, but for sort of different reasons, which was that um, you know, she really wanted to kind of keep up their intense weekends together where they, like, go kayaking and mountain biking, but felt deeply sad at the idea of of being a girlfriend with an expiration date. And I sort of yeah. said, you know, I think if he's made it clear that he's looking for something else, it would it would be very sad for you to sort of be downgraded in terms of, of the priority you take in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that you can break up with someone and stay best friends right away. So I think in addition to uh, sort of bank account metaphors, we've got food metaphors on the table, mm-hmm. expiration dates, mm-hmm. and then possibly radioactive material as well, yeah. half-lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the general rate of decline in intensity in a relationship. Now I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to, to answer anyone's questions today with just no metaphors, yeah. none at all. Be totally literal in everything we say. All right, let's give it a shot. <laughs> let's try let's give that. it a shot because these are such serious limitations. Uh, so speaking of finances and personal relationships. This is a a question that I did not send to you in advance, but came through today. And I found it so intriguing that I feel very strongly that we should answer it right now. Okay. The subject line is house on fire. House on fire. Dear Prudence, my husband's sister and her husband lost their home in a fire. At the time, we insisted they move in with us until they worked out their insurance claim. 
Six months later, they are still here, along with their three cats, and claiming that the insurance company is jerking them around. I happened to see a letter from their insurance company that my sister-in-law left on the kitchen table. It was dated less than a month after the fire, and they offered a huge sum of money and said that they would cover their costs to stay in a hotel or rental house until their house could be rebuilt. I asked my sister-in-law about it, and it turns out that she and her husband accepted a big fat check from the insurance company months ago, but have made no effort to begin rebuilding. My husband doesn't want to be in the middle of this, but suggested that they need to line up a contractor. My in-laws claim that they're the ones getting screwed by the insurance company and that their house was worth 10 times the settlement. I think they're delusional. They can rebuild for half the insurance settlement. They just don't want to. I'm ready to move out myself and leave my husband to deal with his sister. Any suggestions? Wow, that's a big one. It also feels so cinematic. Like it you really saw does. the letter on the desk. Yeah. But uh, I also, this certainly seems like the kind of situation where they don't think they're doing anything wrong, so they wouldn't have gone out of their way to try to hide it. Well, yeah, I mean, part of the difficulty is by moving in, you're entering into an implicit relationship with with the letter writer, um, who I think has some reasonable expectation that you'd be kept informed about what the insurance company are doing. Right. Yeah, it would be one thing to hear, we have been offered a settlement, but we're mad about it and we want to yeah. keep fighting it. Um, but to claim you haven't gotten one. Uh, also, actually, th- they accepted the check, apparently. And I don't know if yeah. that just means she saw that there was a check or if she saw some sort of confirmation that they've cashed it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I'm realizing now I don't know a lot about insurance like policies and whether or not if they cashed the check would mean that they were no longer allowed to contest the amount of money they were being offered. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead yeah. and assume when she says they accepted a big check that they've taken the money. And that therefore they've ended negotiations. Sure, and they're just kind of trying to spin their wheels. There um, might be secondary insurance claims for furniture, for for properties. The really. next person I have on this show is going to be an insurance claims adjuster. Yeah. It's going to be Edward G. Robinson's from Double Indemnity, and he's going to give that great monologue about like the statistical mm-hmm. likelihoods of various types of death. But So mm-hmm. I think we can all agree uh, that they've been given enough money that they could move out but are choosing yeah. not to. Yeah. What should they do? Well, um, I suppose the first thing is that they need to have an honest conversation with the in-laws about the dis- what, what seems like it was, if not deception, then concealment of information, important information. Um, and it seems like the in-laws really need to know how serious matters have got for the letter writer. I can, if, if it's getting to the stage where this, this person's considering moving out, that, that's a huge deal. And, and I would use every tool at my disposal to try to make my guests aware of that. I feel like... Part of what's challenging about the situation, although obviously you can't change it now, is offering someone to move in with you until they work out insurance is a really vague offer. Yeah. Because to one person, it might mean I'm just going to stay with you for two weeks at most until I hear from my insurance about what they're going to be able to offer me. Somebody else might hear that is stay with us until you have a new house. Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 vague. But then at the same time, when a disaster like that befalls anybody, who's really thinking about the legalese? Or no, of course. Who's thinking, you know, in six months, I bet you're really going to be trying to milk this situation for all it's worth. And Yeah. Um, but I certainly think that... Um, while I understand wanting to welcome in a family member after a disaster, six months is a really long time. It is. Um, especially when they mention the three cats. I can't imagine it's because they want us to know how much they love the cats. No, sure. I imagine it's because they are acutely aware of how many cats there are. Yeah. Um, so this woman feels ready to move out, um, which makes me wonder. It sounds like maybe her husband is more inclined to sort of hash this out indefinitely. It seems like he's being a little useless. He says he doesn't want to get involved, but he obviously is the 
he obviously has to get involved. You're pretty you know, involved. involved. They're yeah. living with you. It's pretty involved. He doesn't want to be in the middle, but that's literally where he's positioned. Mm-hmm. So this, what he has done is suggest to them that they need to line up a contractor. Yeah. Does that feel strong enough to you? It doesn't feel strong enough to me. I think he needs to, he needs to get more involved in that. He needs to start talking timelines. Yeah. Yeah, because I think this would be the sort of situation where, again, I wouldn't necessarily say you should move into a motel and, like, get a lawyer and go to small claims court. No. Um, I don't think we're at that stage. But things have gotten serious enough that, uh, yeah, timelines need to be drawn and agreed on. Yeah. Yeah, to say, you know, if you've been offered such and such amount of money, if you want to contest it beyond that, they're already offering to pay for a motel. You can contest this mm-hmm. elsewhere. Like, you have other options now. We are not the only thing standing between you and homelessness. Um, and we w- – w- what, what do you think? Another six months? Is that is – that... I think that's too long. Yeah. I mean, I really think that's too long, especially if the insurance company are agreeing to pay for accommodation in the short term. Also, I mean, ten times the settlement. It seems like it is very likely to be a delusion. Insurance companies can try to screw you, but they don't try to screw you to 10%. Of the value of your place, if that 10% can cover rebuilding the house and that, putting you up in a motel. That leapt out at me, and I think this is one of those situations where maybe they did not move in with their brother and sister-in-law with the intention of running any kind of scam, but yeah. maybe as time went on, started to think, you know, if we'd finished that renovation we were going to do yeah. and then tried to sell the house the way the market is right now, why, we could have gotten 10 times it's what we It's a blessing in it. disguise. Yeah, 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 and I think that that's, you know... I understand there can be this idea of, oh, we maybe lost out on a a huge sum of money that we could have theoretically gotten, um, and that that is something that will lead you to uh, not accept a good offer when you have one, to take advantage of people who are trying to help you, and to sort of, in general, turn you into a sort of unpleasant person focusing on getting as much as you possibly can. Right, exactly. I mean, I think people deal with these kinds of tragedies in different ways, and and a kind of upsurge of... uh, Mm-hmm. Desire to feather the nest is one of them. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, did I ever tell you that my mother burned her house down? Do you want this to be on the podcast? <laughs> I don't really mind. Okay. Tell us about the time your mother burned her house down. Well, she left the uh, a hairdryer on on a bed, um, and uh, and the place was the bed wet. Uh, you know, I don't really understand this, and I have, I, I don't really know exactly how it worked. She okay. left the hairdryer on on the bed. The bed went up. The house went up. My mother moved into a hotel for six months. And so I I recognize some of this because I think my mother definitely had some sense of this was a disaster. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect this to happen. And yet, if I wait this out a little longer, right. things are going to fall into place and things are going to be better than ever. This hairdryer is my ticket yeah. to success. Yeah. Um, okay, so don't do that if you're listening at home. But then I think for this reader in particular, uh, it's really important that you and your husband figure out a timeline that you both can live with. <laughs> that they need to be out of the house. And that doesn't mean they have to accept the insurance claim that they don't want. Mm-hmm. It just means they have to accept the offer to be put up in a motel. Yep. Um, and if you can't get that from your husband or from your in-laws, then you might need to consider moving out yourself. It would make sense to me that this person would have to move out under those circumstances. It, yes. it does feel like you have to be willing to sort of anticipate, what am I willing to do if if I can't get a compromise out of the other people? And I think I'm hopeful that there there's a compromise here to be found, yeah. but it, it certainly seems like they should be prepared for a lot of heel digging. I agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, good luck. And good yeah. luck to everybody. That's an extremely difficult situation. Yeah. Okay. I want to take a break for just a moment to remind you that the complete Dear Prudence podcast experience is exclusive to Slate Plus members. Hours and hours of me talking about Steely Dan. 
Members get much more of this show, more questions, more answers, more talk, more advice, more Steely Dan factoids, or Dandoids, as I like to call them. I don't call them that. With no ads or interruptions. They also get more of the Dear Prudence column on Slate.com. And that's not all. Slate Plus members get longer, ad-free versions of other Slate podcasts, too. They get access to the ambitious Slate Academy series like The History of American Slavery and A Year of Great Books. They're first in line for tickets to Slate events like live podcast tapings, and they get 30% off of tickets. That's not even all. The whole thing is just $5 a month or $50 for a year. Try it free for two weeks. Go to slate.com slash prudipod, that's P-R-U-D-I-E pod, to sign up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are about to call a listener who recently left us a voicemail. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Hello, my name is Corey, and I currently live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'm really excited about the ability to ask this question, and I sincerely hope that uh, I can get an answer because this is something that I deal with daily, and I don't know what to do. Um I am a trans man, meaning that I was born female and now live uh, as male. I haven't had top surgery, so uh, part of me, particularly my chest, still presents fairly female. Um, The rest of me, however, pretty darn male. I wear only male clothes. I have a fair amount of facial hair. And as you might be able to hear, pretty deep voice. My name's Corey. It's not like I have a stereotypically feminine name. However... I am misgendered by strangers, acquaintances, people I know regularly, and even those I would call friends um, daily, at least once a day, if not multiple times. And I don't know how to correct them appropriately. Hi, Corey. This is Mallory, and I've got my friend Joss here in the studio. Hey, Corey. Hi, Joss. It's good to meet both of you. Well, I'm so glad that we got a hold of you. Thank you so much for calling. So we were just thinking about your call, um, and it sounds like what you're going through is sort of on a daily basis that anyone from a stranger at a coffee shop to the people that you you know fairly well, coworkers, family, friends, uh, will misgender you. And it sounds like sort of the thing that bothers you the most is when it comes from the people that you know. Is that sort of an accurate summation of, of what's going on? That's absolutely the most accurate. I'd say um, with my family, it's been long enough that they've pretty much got it, except for distant members, but Mm. it's those folks who, you know, you might not necessarily be the closest friends with, but you see every day, those coworkers and and folks that you actually do know. With strangers, I could, you know, give or take, but people who know me, that's the part. Yeah, well, and I think that sort of your question, which is, you know, how do you bring this up with people? And I think the sort of important principle to bear in mind is that um, you're just correcting a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, presumably these are people who know you and care about you and are sort of unaware the ways in which they're being, you know, thoughtless and incorrect or, or painful or rude um, or, or, or just plain wrong. Um, and would, if kind of given the opportunity, they would want to correct themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if I was getting 
you know, personal information about someone I, I liked or cared about wrong, I'd want to know. If I was spelling a friend's name wrong, I would want to know. If I was misgendering them, I would want to know. If I'd gotten their birthday wrong, I would want to know. So I think one thing that might be helpful is to, uh, you know, assume in most of these cases there's there's a, a baseline of goodwill um, and simple ignorance and to just go with, actually, it's he or actually, that's that's incorrect. I'm, 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 a, I'm a guy. Um, and and to just say that and not sort of follow up with any sort of, you know, justification or explanation, um, but to just correct them and, and and see how they respond. Is that something you've tried before? Have you sort of felt like you 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 were reluctant to do that? I think I'm I've come from a kind of southern hospitality environment, and so for me, that just don't want to bother anybody feeling is really uh, in, inherent to my nature. So. Coming out and uh, saying it, it's good when it's uh, kind of the end of a sentence, right? Like that girl over there, I can say, well, actually it's he, him, but you know, no worries, and then move on. Um, to me, the issue kind of comes up when it's you know, in the middle of a workday or what have you, and uh, or out with friends, and it, it gets mentioned, and then the conversation goes on, and you know, I'm almost after the fact, like how do I bring it up if the the subject isn't my gender or necessarily me, um, it makes, you know, I, I think it's a particular issue with those who get misgendered all the time. You sit in a conversation and it's just like when the joke has passed and you now have something funny to say, except for it's really, really important. We talked to Corey for a while and you can hear our conversation by subscribing to Slate Plus. Um, Joss, I'm supposed to be closing the episode now, and I'm so glad that you decided to stick around the studio a little bit longer because I feel like uh, we are stronger together than we are apart. I love you to pieces. I do, too. And then uh, the pieces of me that love the pieces of you builds them all up into a big, peace-filled, like a happy Frankenstein. It's like full uh, of friendship. the best version of the opening sequence of Game of Thrones. All of these things are true, as well as, I guess, Transformers, which I've never seen. Nor me. So I should not have introduced that theme into the metaphor. And we've lost our literal goal, which was to not use any metaphors today. And I think I failed almost instantly at that. Never mind. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, do you feel slightly more together in your own personal life having dispensed advice to so many fellow sufferers? You know, funnily enough, I do. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a strange feeling. Yeah, yeah, you feel sort of like, wow, I guess I've really got it all figured out. Yeah. And that's just because we're sitting in a studio where all our problems are outside. Yeah. And uh, thank you for, for that experience. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's quite nice. It's very enjoyable. And I hope everybody out there gets to give advice to someone this week and it makes them feel slightly more collected and calm and capable when it comes to their own problems. It's a great piece of advice. Offer good advice. Yeah, have good ideas. Yeah. Think critically and well um, and be the type of person that others rely on. Yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead, go forth, make it happen. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. If you want to hear us answer your question, call and leave us a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 401-371-3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice, which, by the way, no one has yet asked for. So please, even if your question is not so sensitive... 
um, consider asking us to alter the sound of your voice so that I can have the fun of answering a voice-altered voicemail. And remember, you can hear longer, extra special bonus episodes of Dear Prudence by joining Slate+. Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. Okay, see you back here next week. <laughs>